Hello and welcome to the Game of Thrones football podcast. Before we start, we'd like to inform you that the following episode may contain adult language and themes and swear words could fly around like tackles by Joey Barton. Or like swear words from Joey Barton. Don't say we didn't warn you. And now, let's crack on with the pot, shall we? Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. The Football Thrones Podcast. A long, long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, Florentino Perez was thinking, how can I fuck up football even more? <laughs> oh god oh, what a welcome start. welcome to our welcome to our first goti push episode a super league special game, game of thrones, thrones push. push it's gonna be a good one today and i'm joined today by phil uh hey lads how are we oh you know not bad mate I'm also joined by Davide, Gonzalo Higuain lookalike, and soon-to-be fan of the Italian champions. Don't jinx it. Don't well, jinx it. I'm not lookalike uh, anymore. Since, uh, he, since, uh, he's, got, he's got a longer beard now, and he's bald. <laughs> My beard is shorter now, and I'm not yet bald. So, hi everyone. I'm Davide. Nice to meet you. And I'm a, an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a Simpsons Barney Gumble reference there, I think? <laughs> or you just don't want to admit you have a problem. <laughs> and we have a special guest. We have a special guest today. Um, this guy is a legend. I met him about three years ago on a supporters, Exeter City supporters coach on the way to an away game at Crawley. Um, we've been friends ever since. He's a great guy. Um, he's a fellow podcaster. Um, Lee, welcome. Hello, 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 all. How are we all doing today? Um, well, I think we're all doing good. And uh, good. Yeah, Lee, Lee supports Arsenal and uh, Exeter City, so I'm sure Lee will ha- be, have something to say about the Super League and specifically his uh, the Arsenal owners later on. Must be hard in the last 10 years to support Arsenal and Exeter. Oh, it's, it's, not, it's not good for your health, let's put it that way. That's really, let's get it set straight. It's not nice. But, you know, I persevere because that's what you can do so um as, as i said before this is a special episode um in light of the the events this week um n- the news broke i think on sunday afternoon um that 12 um 12 of europe uh, europe's top teams had decided to get together and leave their respective leagues and not participate in the champions league to create a european super league um it shocked the whole footballing world. Um, it brought criticism from almost every fan, every pundit, every commentator, and even the players themselves. Um, it's an idea that has since been scrapped. Um, and we're going to talk about it today, the consequences of it, how it came about. And we're going to start by talking about um, the history of the European Super League idea. Because, Phil, it's it's not something new. It's something that's been... The idea has been around for many years. Yeah, actually, we thought it's like a thing in the last three years, maybe. But uh, funny thing is, my research told me um, <laughs> it's uh, almost 30 years old, that idea. Because in uh, 1988, a guy called Alex Finn uh, was working for an advertisement company that's called Saatchi and Saatchi. And he was introducing a football book in the UK with a 10-point plan to modernize modern football. And um, he proposed the Super League for the first time that should have been formed out of the best European clubs. And after Finn uh, won over uh, AC Milan owner or former AC Milan owner uh, Silvio Berlusconi, um, a good mate of uh, my friend Davide. (laughs) (laughs) Not really. (laughs) Um, A concept. It's funny. (laughs) <laughs> yeah 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 bunga bunga and stuff yeah 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 so they presented a, a concept to uefa who were not really interested but after berlusconi informed other clubs like our best friends uh, at real madrid about his plans and pressure on uefa was increasing it led actually to the new format of the european cup the champions league as we know it now 
in uh, 1992-93. But creation of a new Super League resurfaced for, I think, not another 10 years. I think in 1998, another uh, Italian uh, corporation, uh, Media Partners. I think David is proud here. These bloody Italians. I've never, ne Italian. never heard of them. <laughs> Media Partners, well who are they? Always the bloody Italians. They started fascism. They started Super Leagues. What the hell? <laughs> but to make it as short as possible, the plan ultimately never progressed. UEFA moved to expand the Champions League. But in uh, 2009, a guy who is going to get a lot of attention on this podcast, uh, Florentino Perez, already then president of Real Madrid for the first time, uh, he commenced plans for a new Super League competition because he thought the UEFA Champions League was a little bit obsolete. And um, yeah, uh, it was an obstacle for letting clubs grow their businesses. Basically, he was saying uh, he wanted to earn much more money than he was already making with his Galacticos. 2018, uh, the most recent plan which evolved until this day was made the so-called football leagues, as we all know them now, uncovered that Paris began discussions with other clubs in Europe, mostly from Spain, England and Italy, about the formation of a breakaway competition which would provide strong financial potential. The need for a new competition increased last year because of the start of the pandemic, especially clubs like Real Madrid uh, suffered a lot of debts when the pandemic hit other clubs as well. Um, the realization of the concept became more and more evident. And the new competition eventually drew interest from American investment banking giant JP Morgan. Ooh. <laughs> and they pledged $5 billion towards its formation. It was not even a week ago on the 18th, I guess it was, Paris announced the formation of the new Super League, which led to the meltdown and, um, yeah, everything that has happened in the last week um, and what we are going to talk about today. Just to inform everyone who are the, let's say, evil contenders for the Super League, the founding clubs, six from England, three from Italy, three from Spain, and it were Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City, Man United, Spurs, Inter Milan, Juventus, Milan, Atletico Madrid, Barcelona and Real Madrid. And Davide is going to kill me because I said Inter Milan instead of uh, Internazionale. But <laughs> those were the 12 That's clubs. okay. That's okay. I <laughs> mean, we, we already have uh, the new logo saying Inter Milan, so I have to get used to it. Yeah, that's that's not really a logo, isn't it? I mean, it it, it looks like a fashion company now. Yeah, but don't like it. Before we get into Fuck some... more than football. <laughs> exactly. Before we get into this, it's just, we just have to note that um, all of us on this podcast today are supporters of clubs that wanted to sign up to this to this Super League, and all of us are completely united, like the rest of the footballing world, in saying how absolutely what a fucking awful idea it is. Um, we're gonna we're, we're gonna take a more light-hearted approach first of all. Um, Davide, I believe you've compiled some of the best tweets, um, social media reaction to uh to the formation to the proposed formation of the European Super League. Indeed, Jack. Uh, yes. Uh, as usual, Twitter is uh, is uh, always showing uh, uh, a light-hearted uh, view of uh, of any event uh, in the world, and I selected ten tweets uh, in in our old uh, form formation. We always had uh, our top ten. This time, I wanted to come back with a top ten tweets uh, regarding. What, Super wasn't League. it a top eleven? It's it's well, such a long time, time ago. You already forgot about that, huh? <laughs> yeah, may, maybe it was a top eleven. This one is a top ten. Uh, yeah. Shut up. Davide's just used to being sent off because he plays so dirty. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, he's used to finish every match with ten men. I heard about that. We are never going to play against each other, but I'm going to select you first. Believe me. <laughs> Good, thank you. So let's start with uh, Liam Gallagher. I think I think the guy was a bit drunk when he wrote this. He's he a bit said, drunk when he does. He is always drunk. Yeah, <laughs> always. Imagine the adverts during the games, pure shite, and not to mention the balloon not singing at halftime. I'm off to the fucking pub. Fuck this shit. <laughs> no commas. No dots. 
No punctuation at all. That's pure so, Gallagher. Yeah, it is. That's that's pure yeah. Gallagher. Exactly. That's why we love him. Number two. This is from a from a uh, Twitter user from an Italian Twitter user called Statutos. Super League should have storylines like the WWE. <laughs> And this evolved uh, into a crazy thread. <laughs> yeah, I've seen this. This is absolute. This is art. Nothing this else. This is art. art yeah. And, and the following comment said, "It's not that crazy if you think about it. Less teams, so you got to find a way to make it interesting. They're the ones saying they want an American model. Imagine Inter is winning a crucial match, and then Pioli and Zlatan come in with steel chairs and injure Conte and Lukaku. <laughs> this is this." Tweet is a piece of art. This is pure <laughs> art. <laughs> oh god! And it's FSG with the steel chair. If I remember <laughs> rightly, there's there's um there's there's a picture on that thread of Eric Dyer when he went to the toilet mid game, <laughs> yeah, and he's running yes. back onto the pitch, and the comment is, "By God, it's Eric Dyer's music." <laughs> <laughs> Eric Dyer, he went for his shit. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. And. Then let's carry on with number three, retweeted by Peter Crouch uh, from uh, James MN. This European Super League is like a last night out before everyone asks their missus if it's all right. <laughs> I love it's, that one. Brilliant. I really love this one. Uh, and it ha- I think it happened to, uh, to all of us. Uh, after a oh, few yeah. points, uh, organizing a night out, a, a crazy night out with your, with your mates. Then go home. Uh, hey, love, can I go out on Saturday? No, of course you can't, brother. <laughs> no, sorry, I pull off. Yep. <laughs> can't please, come. Please, please be careful here. If Rita is going to listen to this, you're going to have a tough night. <laughs> he'll, be banned. he'll be one match suspension from the next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> number four. No, number four. Another one from Italy. In the end, the multipla came out better from Agnelli than the Super League. <laughs> for for the for the youngest ones, Fiat Multipla was a, a really intelligent car, but definitely not the best designed in the world. It looked except like for, an insect. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Except for Lefteris, uh, which for some reason looks like uh, he liked it. I don't know. <laughs> I, think, but, I think Eric liked it as well, actually. No, I don't. Th- I don't think Eric liked it. But we, we discussed with Lefteris. Uh, he said that he liked it. Okay, fine. I mean, it, it was a it was a smart car. It was a very. It was just strangely designed. For for any Greek car enthusiast listening, you have very bad taste. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm talking to you, Lefteris. <laughs> and still from the same uh, from the same uh, user. Luca 84 there's the following tweet saying uh, I'm really sorry because Agnelli already signed uh, two more Super Leagues uh, uh, at the stadium you know that Juventus uh, is showing 38 Scudettos instead of the, the 36 they won because they claim the two uh, removed from uh, after Calciopoli were rightfully theirs this is bullshit we know and this is quite a nice answer that <laughs> Let's stay in Italy. Always talking about Agnelli. It's a very Italian the... episode so far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I have to say, I mean, it's always funny to have fun of uh, Juve and, uh, and Agnelli. So, the last time Agnelli had organized something down to the smallest detail, he had been... Uh, uh, he had uh, his ass stuffed in New York and staged a kidnapping uh, to, ask, uh, for, to ask his family for a ransom of $10,000. <laughs> this was uh, Andrea Agnelli's cousin Labo Elkan and uh, we have another tweet uh, on this topic we want to say sorry to Lapo for thinking he was the fullest in the family <laughs> <laughs> let's move back to the, to the international tweets this one is from Heineken it says oh this is this is, so this is brilliant <laughs> I love this don't drink and start a league. Enjoy Heineken responsibly. <laughs> this is a, 
<laughs> True masterpiece. The, the, the thing, the thing about that tweet is that we've all done it. Like you've been at your, you've been at your mate's house and you're playing FIFA, and you're like it's three thirty in the morning, and you're I don't know eating leftover pizza or something. You're like, let's start a super league, and you build like you have arguments over who's going to be in the super league, and you, you never think it's going to happen in real life, but here we are. Exactly. <laughs> It's true. I mean, it's something. It's something you can think about for video games, or or, or just to have some fun with your mates, or, or summer tournament like the the Champions Cup, whatever it's called. Real life, yeah, I didn't think about it. But let's move on with tweets. Football funnies. Can't believe the Simpsons even predicted how the Super League would turn out. And there's a famous gif of Abe Simpson entering the strip club, seeing Bart, and exiting and, and leaving immediately. <laughs> Is One your of the name best Bart? Episodes. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. Does your father know you work here? <laughs> In that case, I'll have a whiskey sour. <laughs> Another one from Italy. Get worried when someone will tell you that you lost less than a Super League. And there's the image of a couple uh, <laughs> a, a bit unhappy in bed. <laughs> <laughs> I leave you guys uh, your imagination to understand what that means. The last one, but not the least one, from Gary Lineker. It's remarkable that VAR is, not, is no longer the most disliked thing in football. Yes, definitely. Who'd have thought no that one after was the talking season. about VAR oh, oh, no. for a week, and we had some horrendous decisions in the same space of time or at the same weekend, but nobody cared anymore. Really, bigger things in play than VAR yeah. for once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We had so many discussions about VAR, but I think we had uh, discussions about VAR uh, in our banter group uh, on the same day. But as soon as those news resurfaced. Everything was was uh, just uh, yeah not normal anymore I guess so um, it was I can, I think it was all over the world it was the same it was kind of a meltdown message wise I mean we we were going crazy until 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 the night I think we were texting until uh, two two o'clock in the in the night about a so called super league and and Jack was really really worried that this shit would go through yeah and here we are still talking about it. I mean, it's it's just crazy to think, like, um, it was just before, I think the news bo broke just before Man United played Burnley, and Solskjaer had no idea what was happening. He's like, oh, I just heard about it from you. I Like, I don't know what's going on. And then in the second half of the United game, um, Gary Neville spent the whole half just ranting about how how bullshit the Super League was. <laughs> he wasn't even commentating on the game. He Did was he just... just didn't he do a podcast after the game as well? Like he was ranting about it for what seemed like forty-eight hours straight. Yeah, yeah, he, he, he <laughs> was brilliant. livid, and um, I think he he referred to it as a criminal act. He referred to the creation of the Super League as a criminal act, and I think that's that's what we want to discuss today. Like the, these owners, these owners came together with, with this idea because a lot of a lot of the teams involved have financial problems and they need money, um, especially the two Spanish teams. Um, they need money and. There's just no consideration for the fans whatsoever, you know? There's just, like, imagine imagine it happened and you had Liverpool playing United in um, in Miami or something, or it, it's, 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 just, it's just no consideration. I, I, David, I don't know what you think of the general idea of the Super League, but it was just, it's, it, it's just wrong, right? So we're just going straight to, to the debate here. Yeah, that's the, that's yeah because he's finished his tweets. <laughs> the game of debates. Yeah, so um, we we were all we were all shocked and quite frankly appalled by the by the the proposition of a super league. Um, Davide, how how did you find it? What was your what was your initial reaction? I found the situation pretty grotesque because it came out uh, almost immediately that the main actors of this uh, super league, so the players and the coaches had no idea what was happening. We had uh, confused comments from England uh, and Italy, less from Spain, I have to say, or maybe I was just not as uh, as focused on the Spanish media rather than uh, Italian English. 
I mean, the, the whole situation is completely grotesque. You see, they said, we are going to leave, fuck you all, we don't care about you. And then they came out with this ridiculous statement saying, we want to give money to the smaller clubs. How? If you're out of from UEFA, from the federations, how are you going to give money to the smaller clubs to develop? Then, as soon as uh, UEFA and FIFA and all the fans came up uh, with uh, anger and rage, the majority of the clubs left. I mean, if, you, if I have an idea, I stand up for it. That, that, that's how uh, I react as an adult man. So, if you just say, hey, sorry, we were joking, uh, we were not serious, uh, let's, uh, let's carry on the old way. I mean, that sounds really like a lad's night out. It really sounds like they were drunk, they were having fun, and they came out with a crappy idea. They didn't, they didn't think about uh, the impact on the players, the impact on the, on, uh, on the fans, the impact on the leagues, the impact on the federations. And it was... I mean, if you think about it, the powers involved of these 12 teams, uh, at least in Italy, Inter, AC and Juve, uh, counted the 65% of fans. A Serie A without them would be dead. You could not have a Serie A without Inter, AC and Juve. Because uh, all the, the media rights for TV and uh, tickets from the stadiums, small clubs uh, have uh, like... Uh, uh, an increase of 50 or 60 percent on uh, in the price uh, of the the away fans when Inter, AC, and Juve play in the stadium because they know there are going to be a lot of of people uh, watching the matches. Serie A would be dead without them. They had some power. As as much as I disagree with uh, with them uh, organizing the Super League, it's really really strange that. Everyone left uh, in, in in a couple of hours. I really don't understand what was going. I really didn't understand what was going on. I, I again. I mean, I totally disagree with the with the idea of a super league. But the most, but the most grotesque thing, the most uh, difficult to believe thing, was that these clubs joined and left in such a short time without any change without any impact except on their uh, reputation i suppose there's two points there that we can react to one is that this um the super league was actually mentioned in october um by outgoing barca president bartomeo he said that he'd already signed barca up to a super league and no one really took him seriously um so we, we should have been warned about that but uh, lee i want to go to you now because the Two of the teams that um, have that signed up to the Super League initially, um, Arsenal and your bitter rivals Tottenham. Um, my question to you is, why the f- like? Okay, why the fuck were they invited? Uh, like, you, if, if, <laughs> if you're going to create a Super League, and you think of the teams, a lot of them are logical. Liverpool, okay. Um, Bayern Munich and PSG obviously refuse. We'll get onto that later. Um, Real Madrid, Barcelona. Juventus, Inter Milan. Okay, okay, these teams make sense. But Arsenal and Tottenham? Well, what was your initial reaction as an Arsenal fan? <clears throat> well, mine was more of the fact of, well, f- firstly, we don't, we deserve to be nowhere near it. So how could I look a Leicester or West Ham fan in the eye after the season they're having and say, we deserve to be in Europe more than you? It it just generally doesn't make any sense. Um, secondly, the why I genuinely believe it's down to the Cronkies and sort of they wanted to sit at the big boys' table and they wanted to eat at the big boys' table. Um, big American owners, lots of money. Um, although they never um, invest any into Arsenal, I heard Robbie from AFTV talking the other day saying that uh, an American Arsenal fan has said to him, "Do you know which of Stan Cronkies' teams is the most successful?" It's Arsenal. Um, the LA Rams, the Denver Nuggets, the Colorado Rapids, they, they never really do much. Really, the LA Rams got to the Super Bowl final once. Denver Nuggets being an NBA fan, I know they're nothing really 
so special in the Western Conference and the NBA. So, and it's it's kind of tragic to think that wow, okay, a couple of FA Cup wins, no league since two thousand four, and we're his most successful team. Um, he just wanted to just be one of the big boys, and he had uh, the way I see, it, he had two options. He could either spend out um, to get to sort of buy the players to get us challenging for a Champions League spot um, and do it the righteous way, the way that English football's known. Or he could just break off and say, you know what, I can't be asked to do that. I'm going to make my own league um, and sort of join up with this. Quite frankly, it's a cartel. It's a couple of rich, yes. rich board owners who got together and just yeah. want to make their own thing. And... I was sickened close to tears the day I heard because I thought that I genuinely would lose the Arsenal that I've been supporting since I was four years old. And it's um, it was gross, to be fair. Absolutely gross. If they would have gone through with it, um, if the Super League really would have started, you could have done a Netflix series about this cartel yeah. shit, really. There is kind of a, a series on Amazon Prime about something like that in uh, South America, but I could be mistaken. I just wanted to return to Jack's initial question. I can tell you how Spurs and Arsenal ended up in that Super League. The 12 founding clubs are 12 of the 16 most wealthiest clubs in world football with an estimated revenue of $34.5 billion. So this is how they ended up there this is all about money all about power and not only not only about revenue but number of fans too so the the number of people that may be involved in uh, watching matches or uh, buying merchandise it's all about money it's only about money and the, the, the one of the first things i thought when i saw this breaking and i saw it might happen and i thought it was going to happen um i was wrong phil was right <laughs> um the, the first thing i thought is just how how the sport is is being americanized you know because what we're talking about here get like making a closed shop of teams that can't be relegated or can't be promoted um it's just it's just so american it like and it makes me think that the american owners who make up quite a few of these teams, um, Liverpool, Manchester United, Arsenal, um, and Liverpool. I was very surprised that Liverpool, Manchester United were were apparently the the one of two of the big organizers in this because for me they're I was kind. Not. I mean, I was not. They're, they're, for me, they're traditional clubs. You know, just and it just goes to show how how much influence the owners have and how they how out of touch with European football culture they are. Phil, you wanted to add something? Yeah, I mean, I was not surprised because we have American owners and we have been talking about franchising and how different Americans see sport and sporting clubs uh, in the past. I can tell you, it it, it is how it is. It's Americans see them as businesses. As much as I have to state that I was very fine with what fsg did in 10 years of owning liverpool making the club whole again financially and uh, in a sporting sense but at the same time there were signs that told me that this this company would do or welcome an idea of such a super league they tried to increase the ticket prices um three years ago um, you all remember that that almost every Premier League club tried to do that. And uh, Liverpool supporters were outraged. And I have to state here again that the reaction of FSG was very good, uh, despite some other clubs not caring about the f what the fans had to say. They scrapped the idea of upping the ticket prices. But then the pandemic started and we had this scenario which still makes me makes me so angry until this day that um, the the stuff that works in the stadium and, and everything that surrounds the match day were not paid anymore by FSG until fans were protesting against that as well and until that reached a kind of, yeah, bigger bigger proportion on social media. I'm not surprised. I'm really not surprised. I mean, 
we don't have to talk about crazy owners like Roman Abramovich or Florentino Paris here. But when we talk about companies or families like the Glazers who own uh, Man United, I'm, I'm totally not surprised. This is, I mean, I think uh, David mentioned that in, in our uh, Telegram group. If, if you look at basketball at the NBA, um, we all know that there were the New Jersey Nets. Now they moved them to Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah, now they moved them to Brooklyn. Now it's the Brooklyn Nets. Nobody cares because, you know, they can buy Kevin Durant and uh, James Harden and, and, and be the fucking new, yeah, and be the fucking new superpower in the NBA because, honestly, they're going to win the fucking ring this season um, if they continue to play like they're playing. And um, it's the same, you know, the same idea Florentino had with the Galacticos. And, of course, it didn't work out like he planned when you look at trophies. But when you look at revenue, when you look at how how much uh, shirts they sold with Beckham, with Ronaldo, with Figo, Zidane on the back, it worked out. American owners will never surprise me in football. If I look what look at what Gillette and Hicks tried to do with Liverpool before FSG took over, I mean, um, yeah, it's 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 this is how modern football is going to be. And I have to say, the team that surprised me the most, and hear me out here, was Manchester City. Because Manchester City and Chelsea were the two last teams to join because apparently they didn't want to be left behind. Um, But Manchester City have spent years complaining about FFP and UEFA, um, UEFA trying to make the Champions League a closed shop and trying to impose financial restrictions on them. And then... The hypocrites wanted to join the Super League, which would have done the same for everybody else. Um, and I, I was totally shocked that City signed up to this idea after complaining for so long about FFP and UEFA, because um, yeah, it just goes against everything they've said for the last for the last ten years. Um, David, I was I was mainly shocked because of uh, because Manchester City joined just uh, because of the fact that they shouldn't even be in the Champions League and they actually probably paid for to be readmitted to the Champions League after being uh, kicked out for two years last season. I was really shocked about this because at least the PSG remained loyal to to UEFA and FIFA. Yeah, and um, obviously... We we were all very 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 angry about this idea, and I think the 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 social media reaction from fans and from celebrities and pundits and even even political figures about this, everybody intervened. Everybody had an opinion, even if you didn't like football. Um, if you haven't seen the the Neville and Carragher quotes um, about it, 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 they 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 did a really good program on Sky Sports on Monday. Um, about the impact of the Super League and what it does to the fans. And we also had players gradually coming out in support of UEFA and the Champions League, um, even if it was very difficult. Um, Phil, from from a Liverpool perspective, um, Liverpool played Leeds on Monday night. And you could tell that Jurgen Klopp, for example, was in a very, very awkward place. Um, on the one hand, he said before, he said two years ago, that the Super League was a stupid idea. But on the other hand, he couldn't directly go against the owners in the interview. And it was quite, I thought it was quite awkward. It was. And <laughs> I pity him a bit for being in that position um, in front of the media uh, after being confronted with uh, such an idea in a s- short space of time. And uh, that that makes me going back to what we said at the beginning about Ole in the press conference when he didn't know anything about it and said, oh, I, I'm hearing it for the first time. It's It's such a capitalistic corporation thing to do to not inform your employees and just come out with the idea even if it's like you know let's say someone like like ollie is a is a is a is a manager in in a corporation and uh, you're just uh, reforming your business from back to front yeah leaving everything behind you did before and and not informing your manager uh, only when it's really going to happen it's the same with Jürgen, and I really like that he, first of all, um, said to him the Champions League is is uh, the non plus ultra, the best competition that there is, and there always will be, and that he always wanted to coach a team in the Champions League, win the Champions League, and and compete in it, and that 
this won't change. For me, the most important thing is that he said, us, the coaches and the players, we're not responsible for that. Don't blame us. We have nothing to do with it. We like the Champions League. We want to continue playing in the Champions League. And... Um, don't direct your anger at us because a lot of uh, Liverpool supporters gathered uh, around Allen Road and they were shouting uh, when uh, the Liverpool boss was turning up and shouting abuse for a long time. And uh, I really have to say, I, I get where they're coming from anger-wise, but at the same time, the players and the, the coaches had nothing to do with it. And it was a so awkward position. Jurgen Klopp was in and he really tried to to make the most out of it. And he told everyone, and I think I like that, that he doesn't necessarily like the idea of leaving the Champions League and at the same time pledged his his loyalty to, to, uh, to his team and to the fan base that he will continue as a manager and won't let people down. What I really liked is that, yeah, uh, he's not the he's the vice captain, but at the at the moment uh, Hendo is injured, so uh, Millie is our captain, and he stood in front of the media and told everyone he doesn't like it, he doesn't want it to happen, nobody of the team does, and without going too much into it, you know, supported the fan base as much as he could, and I think that was very important. I think everyone who came out speaking against the Super League. And speaking on behalf of the fans, even if you don't like him uh, or like them, Gary Nev, um, Carragher, Luis Figo, Liam Gallagher, uh, Eric Cantona. I'm not a big fan of Bruno Fernandes. I was I was absolutely thrilled when he um, when he came out speaking against the Super League because he's in a very very difficult position as a player. I mean, his employee, Manchester United, could just say. Okay, we're going to fine you or we're going to uh, scrap your contract or we're going to sell you or whatever because he does not have any power, but he had the balls to do it. And I think this kind of solidarity is, is super important and that so many people were on the side of the fans was very nice to see and was the most important thing because without those people and without them airing their opinions we might not be sitting here talking about a scrapped Super League. Yeah, definitely. And I think it, it goes to show um, it goes to show the power the fans still have, even if sometimes it, sometimes you feel powerless as a fan to stop to stop the, the wrong things that are happening in football. Um, but we, we talked about fans in the last episode, but we, we still have a lot of power. And we've seen this week with the protests, uh, Manchester United had one this afternoon, Liverpool have been protesting in front of Anfield. Um, last night there was a big protest at the Emirates Lee, um, but th th there have been there have been some controversies to come out of this. Um, last night, for example, on Talksport, um, Ray Parler um, had an argument with Robbie from AFTV. Um, Lee, I, I know for you didn't appreciate that as an Arsenal fan. No, um, <clears throat> I mean, look, I understand that AFTV isn't everyone's cup of tea, and I know there's a lot of. Um, people speaking against fan channels as a whole. But the way I see it is every fan's got an opinion, um, be it win, lose or draw, everyone wants to sort of be heard. Um, and at Arsenal, especially under the Cronkies, we've felt like we were consistently not listened to. So AFTV is a good way of going on there and speaking about stuff and voicing your opinion if, if, if need be. Um, and, you know, the, the players watch it. And I understand that. And, you know, they may not like or not like, but the one thing the players have said to the AFTV guys is they respect them for saying their opinion and being so blunt with it. Because sometimes as a player, you do need to be told if you're not performing. I um, mean, you do need to hear it because else you get complacent. And I think one thing that can be said about Arsenal over the past few years is for the team we have, complacency definitely has set in when we're doing well. And that's why we can never really hold a run together. Um, certainly in my opinion. But Ray Parler, wow. Okay. Um, I respect him as a lot as a player um, and I, th that respect for his playing career will never go away but you don't bring a man on to talk sport to crucify him um, to try and drive a wedge between a, f a fan base that has seldom ever really been disunited against a common threat to the club um, I've never seen a protest like that I've seen bit 
small protest outside the Emirates against the Cronkies or or whatever. But yesterday was huge, massive. The 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 team coach and Arteta and everything got there way, 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 way before they usually would because they knew the protest was going to be big, huge. So to bring a man on there and to crucify him when TalkSport are doing exactly the same thing, which is um, getting hits off fans' opinions, whether you win, lose, or draw. It's not Robbie's fault if the channel gathers a lot of traffic from other from opposition fans if Arsenal lose and have a, have a shit day. That's not his fault at all. He doesn't market it that way. Um, that, yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day, I think that TalkSport are doing... The same, if not worse, because TalkSport will bring any, anybody on and openly mock fans on air. And I I think it's just it's a it's a much less safe environment. After watching AFTV for the past, what, three, four years, pretty much religiously every game, every fan cam, it's a community. And they all know each other, they're all friends. When Claude recently passed away from AFTV, um, they all came together. Even the club did a little tribute to him as well. And it was just a nice sort of, it's a community feel. It's not just crucifying fans for their opinions um, like everyone thinks it is. I think people just get the wrong impression. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Lee. And um, my my favorite quote of this whole, of, of, the, of the whole week, um, maybe highlighting some of the hypocrisy in the reactions um, to this Super League, Patrick Bamford after the Leeds against Liverpool game, he said, um, yeah, obviously everybody's against the Super League and Leeds, Leeds wore T-shirts before the game saying that football's nothing without the fans, which was great. Um, this reaction is great, but why isn't there the same reaction, for example, to racism? Why aren't there protests against racism in football grounds? Phil, what do you think about that? Actually, I wanted to say this uh, as an outcome at the end, but I will just say it now because you're asking me. Um, I think this week showed us that no matter which topic, if people put aside their differences, let's say, okay, excluding the fascists, but um, <laughs> yeah, we always have to exclude them yeah. because apparently a lot of people uh, yeah, are fascists again in our society these days. But apart from them, if you put aside your differences and if you come together as a force, you can change anything. I mean, this is... The foundation of every revolution is people from all kinds of spectrums uh, coming together and having a common goal, which is opposing an idea or changing a system. You can do that with actually everything. It doesn't necessarily have to be football. It can be politically as well, if it's racism, homophobia, uh, transphobia, sexism, whatever, that women are paid less than men, all this kind of stuff. If we're going to get together, if we're going to be a force, we can change anything. And people should see this as a reminder that the people still have the power. I mean, we all know we live in a system which can't be broken without violence. It is like that. We can't break the system peacefully it is designed like that but at the end of the day we can at least try if you look what happened with the german reunification i mean i think that's the only peaceful revolution i remember at all in history but it happened people came together it didn't matter where they came from or if they liked this or that they were just one united force and they worked towards a common goal and they achieved that and we did the same in the space of 48 hours of outrage against the european super league in football which is actually to be honest if you see it in a wider context not as much or not as important as the example patrick bamford give, gave us I mean, the, the the problems with racism we still have in our society are much, much wider than or much bigger and much more important than something like football, even if this game means everything to us. So I totally agree with him. And I think it's hypocritical as well. Um, if you hear those opinions, I mean, um, kudos to, to Gary Nav and uh, to Jamie Carragher and everyone. But it's a bit hypocritical if you voice those opinions on Sky Sports Media. Yeah. Definitely. And let's not also let's not pretend that um, 
UEFA as saints either because of because they're against the Super League. They um, they've just brought through some Champions League reforms, which will um, which will start from 2024, which are still giving huge power to these biggest to, to the biggest clubs, many of whom wanted to break away for the Super League. Um, we, 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 Davide, we can't pretend that UEFA are saints in this because there's still a lot of work to be done in that organisation. Absolutely. I mean, they they say all of that respect shit and then uh, they don't ban the stadiums uh, that uh, have a racist uh, uh, behaviour. They don't do anything to, to change uh, the... To, to improve a football and to give football back to the fans, they don't do anything to make uh, football more sustainable for small or local clubs. They allowed uh, uh, Man City to come back to the Champions League uh, despite being uh, guilty and found guilty, and have been given two years ban from uh, football competitions. But the side of UEFA. Even FIFA are not saints as well. They organize the, uh, the next World Cup in winter in a, in a country with no football culture, no football history at all and allowing uh, modern slavery. So, I mean, are FIFA and UEFA saints? No, absolutely not. Should FIFA and UEFA be reformed? Definitely. But you cannot substitute a product that kind of works with something that has no no beginning or end it's just a league made by 12 teams out of nowhere without any control without any rules without any way to give to give the fans the the possibility to speak it's just for money so yeah let's say that Super League is bad, but UEFA and FIFA need to be to be reformed anyway. And I think it could have been done by by these Super League clubs if they just made a statement of intent. We want to create a Super League with or without you. Do you want to work with us? Yes, let's work together. You don't want to work with us? Fuck off. We are we are we all going to leave. And that was a more democratic way of uh, of speaking instead of just leaving and then uh, moving back as if nothing happened. Definitely. Thank you, Davide. Um, I just want to end this debate um, talking about a little bit about um, one of the main architects of this Super League project. Um, and I think it's important that we don't get complacent. We've stopped it for now, um, but clearly... Florentino Perez and the owners of these clubs are going to come back. And one of the, the the main thing that struck me with this, um, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Many people have lost their jobs. Poverty is on the rise. And I just want to I just want to leave you with this quote from Florentino Perez. He said, "It cannot be that in England the big six lose money and fourteen make money. In Spain the top three lose money and the others make money. It cannot continue. At the moment the rich are those who are losing money." Now, excuse me, um, Senor Perez. Let me just get out my small violin for you. How how completely tone deaf, how completely out of touch must you be to say something like that when the world is going through the worst health crisis in 70 or 80 years? Um, I think I think if you're not going to listen to this, but I think you're despicable. I think you're the worst of the lot. Um, I think you run a fascist football club that was backed up by a fascist fascist regime um, back in the 50s, 60s and 70s. And I know you're not going to stop trying to push for the Super League, but I think I speak on behalf of all football fans, especially those that don't support Real Madrid, that you are really a disgusting human being, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, yeah. what the bloody hell is wrong with this guy? I mean, you really must be out of touch with reality to say something. He he basically said that Burnley earns money while Liverpool are losing out. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he's living on another planet, but he's he's not living in this society. I'm sorry. This just just shows again how rich people lose contact with reality. It's just, or or at the end of the day, he's just maybe. Um, 
I don't know. I, I'm, I'm lost for words here. Sorry. And the recipe, the, the recipe to stop losing money for him is really simple. Just stop overpaying uh, crappy players. Just stop over. Just stop spending 130 millions for Hazard or stuff like that. How, how much do they pay for Thibaut Courtois? Stupid amounts, and, yeah. Yeah, that that was a stupid amount of money. Like, yeah, I mean, for, uh, for, for him as well. Still, still Chelsea paid more for Kepa than uh, for Courtois. But I mean, still. if uh, Kepa was eighty million, I think uh, Courtois was like seventy or seventy-five. Yeah. And seventy-five million. Right you look there. at you look at Barcelona, how they completely. They completely fucked up the reinvestment of the Neymar money when they sold him to PSG. They bought a lot of crappy players, and now they're one billion, um, one billion euros in debt. So, if as a, as a normal human being, if I get into debt, no one's going to help me out of it. So why should these stinking rich football clubs um, be able to just kind kind of fuck off and do what they want? It's just it's just immoral. And Phil, I, I, Phil. I just want to leave it with you. This obviously isn't over. It's it, it, It's been stopped for now and fans are protesting and that's great, but they're going to come back in the future. And I, I think, it, do you think it's important that we, we remain on guard to this threat? Um, I think I can start with a quote that is from uh, Rosa Luxemburg. I, I guess it was, maybe I'm mistaken, is that the fight against capitalism is constant and will always be constant it is as it is this won't stop they won't stop there they will have other ideas if we scrap it again and they will come back at us and the working class and to be honest 90 percent of football supporters on this world are working class people we need to unite and we need to stand up for us again and again and again it's going to be a constant fight and it will continue they will come back at us and um, my 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 best example is from a Liverpool perspective is what happened on the 15th April in 1989. Exactly after that, there was a 27-year constant fight for justice for those 96 supporters that died at Hillsborough, and Scousers never let go. They fought and fought and fought until they got at least something that felt a little bit like justice and football supporters worldwide need to use that as an example to to never ever ever give up and um, to see this as a constant fight of us against them i really don't like this mentality but in this society where we are the ones paying the bills and uh, those are the ones you know just um filling their pockets we still have to fight and, and they will come back. They will come. Maybe it's not a Super League. Maybe it's the Ultra League or, or whatever or the, 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 the fucking um, uh, Galaxy Cup. They, they will have like a thousand ideas to fuck us up and make more money. But we have to oppose that. And as a whole, we need to stop thinking about rivalry, you know? And I, I will just um, end it with, with a very famous quote as well. Separated by colors united in the cause and that's what we need to be yeah definitely definitely um and of course the super league isn't the only league in the world that has been discussed um there's been discussions it probably won't happen but there's been discussions about a combined mls liga mx league in the u.s and mexico um there's been discussions about maybe a possible nordic league with scotland norway sweden finland denmark we're going to have uh, Gertchan now. H Hello, Gertchan. Hi, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, great to be back. Uh, I'd just like to hear your opinion on the proposed um, Benelig, League, which would combine um, the, uh, the Netherlands and Belgian football championships. Um, what do you think about that? Could it work? Is it feasible? In my opinion, it would actually be a good thing. Of course, it's a pity um, regarding the, the cultural heritage we have, for example, with the Dutch Eredivisie, which has been a uh, professional uh, competition since out of my head uh, the 1950s. And of course, there's a lot of history uh, related to it. But on the other hand, if I look at the Dutch Eredivisie at the moment, um, there's not enough uh, competition, especially not for uh, the big teams such as Ajax, uh, PSV, uh, Feyenoord and uh, Asset. 
uh, if I look, for example, at Ajax, there are like um, a lot of games we win uh, quite easily. Uh, the most uh, notorious uh, example is the 13-0 uh, against uh, VVV uh, last year. Uh, and yeah, there are just too many walkovers um, for um, for the big teams. And I think uh, more competition uh, in the league uh, by including some of the top uh, Belgian teams would um, create more challenges uh, for uh, for the best teams in Belgium and in the Netherlands and would improve the level of the games and also improve the challenges uh, for the players uh, within teams. And I think that will generally uh, raise the level of both the Dutch and the Belgium teams so they can compete much better uh, at an a European stage and hopefully also uh, the competition Competition uh, after the merger between the Dutch Eredivisie and the Belgian uh, Jupiler Pro League would be more attractive uh, for uh, for players uh, to compete in, um, and yeah, I think that would be uh, beneficial both for uh, the Belgian teams as 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 the Dutch teams, and also as a supporter of football, it would be more interesting uh, to watch. So, yes, I am uh, in, in favour of it. Thanks, Gertrude. Talk to you soon. Questions from the audience now on Twitter. Linus asked us um, our opinion about the, the potential for Rangers and Celtic to join the Premier League. Um, Davide, I'm going to go to you. Um, what do you think about this? What, what effect would that have on Scottish football? And do you think it would be beneficial for Rangers and Celtic to join the Premier League? It would definitely be beneficial for Rangers and Celtic. I mean, uh, we see, we already see Welsh teams uh, like Swansea and uh, Cardiff City being constantly in the FA. So I really don't see why uh, Rangers and Celtic should uh, should be left out. They are richer and more important with a larger fan base than these two Welsh teams. Uh, I think they could uh, really benefit from joining the the Premier League. This and this, on contrary. From the Super League, I think it would have a, a good, a decent impact on Scottish football as well because uh, there would be more competition. Aberdeen uh, and uh, Aberdeen fans uh, will finally see their team uh, be able to compete to win the title and be able to join uh, uh, Champions League eventually or Europa League. So I think this would be really beneficial for for the entire movement. I I would initially agree, but. The outcome would be that even more of the best Scottish players would play in England, as they already do for English clubs. But now when, they, uh, when Celtic and Rangers are going to enter the FA, even more of the best Scottish players will be seen playing in England most of the time rather than in Scotland. You won't see Scott Brown playing in Aberdeen or um, you know, in Edinburgh. So I think it always has pros and cons here. I'm not sure. I'm not. I mean, it would, it would definitely kill. It probably kill the SPL because nobody, nobody's going to buy the TV rights for Aberdeen against Hibernian. I don't think. I think Rangers and Celtic. Um, I think Rangers and Celtic are the main, the main driving force for that league. And I don't know. It, as Phil said, I think it's already. Go on, David. Sorry, 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 Jack. Sorry, to, uh, sorry, I interrupted you. No, go ahead. Go, go, go ahead. I was done. I was basically done. No, I mean, I mean the Scottish. Premier League is already quite a regional uh, league, so I think the yes, we see some of the matches in Italy as well, but mainly for Rangers and Celtic. You're you're totally right with this, but I don't think the the international rights of that championship is really are, are really high. I think the main. Uh, the main TV rights are from the internal market, from Scotland and from England. So I don't, I don't really think losing uh, um, much interest from uh, from the outside, from the the outer markets, would uh, damage the Scottish Premier League. To be fair, maybe maybe the the English Premier League could compensate. You know, say hey, the two best teams. Uh, are coming uh, uh, to the English Premier League. Let's give you something, something back in terms of uh, in the term of uh, part of the TV rights from the Premier League. 
I think our guest should have the last word on this. Lee, what's your take? Uh, I mean, I've always been. It's uh, it's an English it's an English football fan's question, isn't it? How well would Celtic and Rangers do if they were in the if they were in the Premier League or like people put them sort of mid mid to high Championship level, really? But yeah, I mean, as as Phil said, pros and cons. Um, but I look at the TV rights of the SPL the same, same way I would with um, the Vanarama National League. That there's no like sort of huge big teams. I think there's more of an internal market. Um, so yeah, in 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 in, in ideal in an ideal sort of situation, then give and take, like we give them something back, as as Davide said, but remains to be seen. I I, I wouldn't mind watching it. You know, Celtic against Arsenal. Um, and obviously away away days at um, Celtic Park and Ibrox would be would be great for some teams to do. Oh, Watching yes. Liverpool oh. against Liverpool against Celtic oh, would be a great yes. match to watch. Holy oh. shit! Imagine the whole stadium singing "You Never Walk Alone." <laughs> oh, crazy! It's ha- it happened oh. happened before in the Europa League about ten years ago. Oh yes, oh yes, uh, the UEFA Cup when it was still called oh. UEFA Cup. That was UEFA that Cup. was a highlight. Love it. Oh, by the way, Phil, that was Linus's question that we just discussed. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I just got a message from you saying, "Don't forget Linus's question." Yeah, that was just that was that was, te- that was ten minutes ago. Okay, I just, I just I just got the message pop up now. So, um, so finally this evening, I'm yeah, obviously messages arrive arrive later in the Devon countryside. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Really it, it's a long way from from Berlin to Devon. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so finally this evening. We um we need to talk about our guest. Um Lee is obviously a podcaster himself. Um and he's gonna to talk to us a bit about his podcast. Um The Witching Hour Case Files. So I guess if Lee, if someone's in a graveyard at night, they could be having sex or injecting heroin, but it might be you looking for ghosts. It might well be. Yeah, exactly. Um so <laughs> In my in, in my spare time, when I get it, I'm very much a night owl. So, and I have I've always had an interest in the paranormal and the supernatural. So, I took to researching it a few years ago. Uh, became an investigator. I've been doing that for three years. The podcast is mainly just like a light-hearted spin on historic cases of paranormal activity, be it um, haunted houses, UFO sightings. The more famous ones, dissecting them, breaking them down, being informative, but also having a laugh with it. And sort of looking at it with sort of a, a humorous sort of uh, through comedy goggles, um, but yeah, we would we do it on, a, on an ad hoc basis. Um, try and get for as many episodes as I can do because I work full time. But um, I think there's four or five episodes up there now. Um, and if anybody listening has an interest in the paranormal, has an interest in the supernatural, anything spooky like that, I've got you covered. So come on over and listen on all your good podcast platforms. Any pieces on haunted football grounds, or maybe the Benfica curse? I have, I have been looking into that. I have been looking into sports-related ones, to be fair, and I probably will do some coming up. I've got a long list to get through, a long list. Um, Brilliant. But we've looked through uh, Roswell, uh, the Enfield Poltergeist case. I've looked through ghost ghost stories on Dartmoor. Um, loads and loads of things. So we're getting through it slowly, but every two weeks, if I can get it. If not, then I'll do sort of double uploads. So two episodes a month, definitely. So maybe maybe you can do one about the Super League uh, in in the future because we can gladly say for now it's just a ghost. Yeah, it is. Yeah, the curse of Florentino Perez, and hopefully it doesn't come out, come back to bite us <laughs> in the ass. <laughs> Thanks, Lee. Don't forget to check out these podcasts on all your good po- po- uh, podcast platforms. Um, coming up next time on Game of Thrones, Phil. Next time on Game of Thrones. Oh yes, we have uh, something special planned. Um, we were doing a promotion for the Women's World Football Show on our last uh, regular episode. I was uh, chatting a lot to uh, the host, uh, Patty. We all agreed that it's uh, time for Game of Thrones to have a full episode about women's football, even if we don't know or some of us don't know much about it. I'm talking to Davide here. Yeah, yeah raising, raising his hand. hand. That's my man. <laughs> and yeah, we want to just have a, a whole 
a whole hour uh, of discussion about uh, women's football, about uh, inequality when it comes to the comparison between women's and men's football. And we will have another guest as well, a mate of Jack. It's Nadine. It's going to be an interesting roundtable and um, really looking forward to do to do this one with you lads. Should be great. Um, that's all we got time for tonight. So I just have to thank everybody. It was a great episode. Um, thanks for joining Phil. Yeah. Cheers. As always, was a pleasure and it was a pleasure to have Lee on to many more episodes, uh, having guests like him. Yeah. Lee, you're welcome back anytime, man. Thanks for, thanks for coming. Thank you very much for having me guys. Thank you. Davide. Thanks as always. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, Phil. And especially thank you, Lee, for joining us. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Um, don't forget to check us out on all social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, and we will see you next time. Goodbye from Game of Thrones. Bye, everyone. Cheerio. Bye-bye. That was good. Hi, Jack. Hi, Phil. Hi, everyone. I have a question. Go on, then. What if people have questions? That's a good question. Maybe they should send us an email? Yeah, that makes sense. Do you remember our email address? Yes, I do. It's gameofthrowingspodcast at gmail.com. There you go. What about social media? Can they ask us questions in comment sections? They should. Phil, what's our social media again? We have plenty, mate. Instagram? Game of Thrones podcast. Twitter? G-O-T-I football. Sounds like a rap record. Straight out of camp now. (laughs) Let's not get carried away. Okay, do we have Facebook? We have. It's Game of Thrones football podcast. Anything else? Like, share, and comment. And don't forget to ask questions. Good thing we talked about this. Okay, everyone. See you next time for another episode of Game of Thrones. Cheerio, cheerio, cheerio. Cheerio, cheerio, cheerio. Oh, cheerio, cheerio, cheerio. 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 (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's go. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. The Football from Thrones. Podcast.